What's up, sweetos? Tonight's episode is brought to you by Dormy Golf Workshop. Dormy Golf Workshop was created by PGA Canada members and brothers, Jeff and Todd Bishop. Born and raised in Nova Scotia, Jeff and Todd have traveled the world playing the game they love and have since landed back in Nova Scotia. Through all of their worldly golfing experiences, the dust has settled, and now they offer you this, a handmade leather product that'll rock your socks. Dormy offers US Open covers, custom covers, NHL covers, US and Canada theme covers that are must-have accessories for golfers. Dormy Head Covers was created with the intention of bringing fellow golfers really cool covers and allowing the customer to be involved in the creative process. Real custom leather products that are a hole-in-one. Use code BLHC for free shipping to the U.S. and Canada. For more information about Dormy Workshop, visit their website at dormyworkshop.com. That's dormyworkshop.com, D-O-R-M-I-E workshop.com. You can also follow them on Instagram and Twitter under their handle, at Dormy Workshop. Hello! Welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club, folks. we got another exciting episode 112 tonight. we got all of the usual suspects sitting in the house with, with us tonight. We have our producer, Patrick O'Killardy Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And our IT guy, the local dirt on staff, Robbie P. Peters. What's up, Pete? Hey, uh, your mom and him. And the all-around sports guru, Derek D-Train. He too. What's up, D-Train? What's up, sweetos? And your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Mark the Doctor Morley. Oh, Doctor. You. Very special guest sitting in with us tonight. We have a legend from BU Men's Hockey D1 program, three-time national championship there. Is there for over, for, I think, 40 years exactly, 894 wins, uh, third time all-time on that list. And just a, a, a just a legendary coach over there in Boston. We're thankful to have him on tonight. Jack Parker, how are you tonight? Great. Glad to be, glad to be with you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Coach. It's a, it's a real honor. Thank you. So uh, so Joe Marsh put, put this together for us, uh, along with Pat Sullivan. We really appreciate Joe, Joe connecting with us. How many times did you guys meet in your careers? Uh, not that many, because we were in different leagues. We met in the national tournament. Uh, yeah. We uh, would go up there once in a while, non-league games, and they would come down once in a while. Uh, you know, when I first started coaching, St. Lawrence, was we were all in the same league. We were all in the ECAC. There were 17 teams in the ECAC league, and only eight made the playoffs. You know? So it was quite a league. And every year, you either you either played St. Lawrence and Clarkson at home, or you played them away. So uh, we've always had a great a great time going to Canton, and a uh, great time in, in, in Appleton. Beautiful yeah, ring. Yeah, you just had a big facelift there. Yeah, they, I, I guess they have since I've been up there. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think Joe Marshy's had a few facelifts too. So. <laughs> oh shit! I was starting to think that this facelift on Appleton Arena was like a curse or something because since they did it, we haven't seen any friggin' hockey. Yeah, I know it's unbelievable. It's a sad state of affairs for every every high school athlete, every college athlete, and probably pales in comparison to everybody who's out of work and. Yeah, all the people that were associated with all the pro teams and all the high school and college teams that not parking cars anymore, not selling hot dogs. You know, it's, yeah, it's exactly. A tough time. It's a very tough time. Well, yeah, it, it trickles down to everything, and uh, um, you know, it stinks. Hopefully, we can get back to normal here. But you know, we just had the Stanley Cup. Tampa raised that, so uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, Shattenkirk uh, got to raise the cup. 
did you coach him? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he's a great player. He's one of the only, I think he's only one of three BU players to win the Stanley Cup and win the, and win the national championship. And it's a, it's a pretty good, pretty good do some, uh, too old for him, you know? Yeah. Coach, did you watch or are, are you still following? I, I'm assuming you still follow hockey, but, uh, did you watch? Oh, yeah. I will tell you the truth. I never watch a regular season game. <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless a couple of my players that play against each other. Otherwise, I never watch it, uh, I, and I never miss the playoff game. I watch them late at night and uh, West Coast games. When you know, in the old days, and, uh, the old days last year. <laughs> uh, so I would always watch. You know, in my mind, it's it's the only sport there is where I wonder what the, the season ticket holder thinks. You know. Well, what's this sport we're watching? This is different than what we watched all regular season. You know? <laughs> like night and day, and I love it. They play so hard. They play so intense. They play every other night. It's it's beyond belief how hard it is. What yeah. did you think of uh, the NHL and you know the whole bubble experience? How, how, what were your views on uh, you know how they did? I think they did great. I think the NBA and NHL both did fabulous. I think you got to give the players an awful lot of credit. Uh, they, uh, they wanted to play badly. They wanted that, you know, somebody's got to, somebody should win the Stanley cup. We can't not have a Stanley cup winner. And in order to do that, they had to either go to Toronto and Edmonton and stay there. And I think that, uh, for the most part, it appears the way it worked out, everybody was, uh, paying attention to the rules now. And one of the shocking things to me was how good the hockey was. I heard, I, I think at which announcer it was, uh, uh, mentioned the fact that uh, it was really like one big youth hockey tournament, you know, everybody <laughs> staying in the hotel. I, he said, yeah. I wonder if they're playing, I wonder if they're playing knee hockey in the hotel, you know, and that's, uh, it must've been odd, you know, we're trying to work up the hate for these guys. We're going to play tomorrow night and I'm having breakfast with them this morning, you know, yeah, right. or me, in the whole, same hotel room with them, uh, having breakfast. Right. With them. So it was, uh, it was Sarah, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. We were talking with Nick Foligno, uh, the captain of Columbus, and he said the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to. Um, was it Nick? Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think it was maybe Matt Dumba, um, but it, it's hard to uh, you know get into a fight with somebody on the ice, and then you got to go have toast with them in the morning. Share the catcher right. bottle. <laughs> you could start it all over again, I guess. <laughs> in, the old, in the old days, they probably would do that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, uh, Jack, I just wanted to um, talk a little bit about Jack Kelly. I mean, the architect of BU hockey, you know, the, one of the uh, founders of BU hockey and, uh, you know, what he has done for the program, the 10 years that he was, he was there before you. And I'm sure you have the utmost respect for him. Um, you know, he had four national or four NCAA final fours and two championships and he's a B pot. Uh, win six times, so triple crown. triple crown winner, and uh, just speak a little bit about you know how much you meant to the program and to yourself, and um, you know give us a little insight on that. Absolutely, uh, you're right. He was the architect of a uh, long time history of successful BU hockey. After his first couple of years there, it took him a while to. He's got an unbelievable winning percentage, and he had a tough first two years because you know he was. He was left not not with much and had to had to work hard to get the, the team straightened out recruiting wise. But into his third year, all of a sudden they were I don't know twenty eight and four or something, and uh, 
I, you know, he he had an unbelievable run of, of the last eight years there, and he affected so many people in so many positive ways. If you look at the coaching tree that he had of all the people that wound up coaching in college, or wound up coaching in the pros, or wound up scouting in the pros, or general managers in the pros. It's an amazing long list considering he was only there 10 years. I think that the 71-72 uh, uh, back-to-back national championships were a real feather in his cap. And uh, I think the 71 team at BU had to be in the, in the top five college hockey teams in, in, in of all time. Uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd say people would argue that Cornell 29-0 or Maine 41-1-1. Uh, with Paul Correa, that they were, I guess, Danny Lodbo was the, was the star of the uh, the uh, 1970 Cornell team. But uh, the BU team had a statistic that I don't think will ever be matched by any team anywhere. And that was, uh, I forget what the percentage of the points, the percentage of the power play. It had a fabulous power play. And, uh, you know, it might have been like, a, it might have gone to like a 44% rate for the year. Uh, but the stat that's really outstanding is that the Boston University hockey team in the 70-71 team under Jack Kelly scored more power play goals that year than the rest of the, than all their opponents' goals combined. <laughs> so they got more goals on the power play than the opponents got total. Wow. I think it was something like 46 to 44. I mean, that's how good they were defensively and that's how good they were on the power play. And I was an assistant coach on that team, so I saw it firsthand. And, you know, I, I played for Jack. I got a scholarship to go to BU because of Jack Kelly. I played for him. I was his captain in '68. Uh, a year, uh, a year uh, two years later, I was an assistant coach with him in '70, '70, '71, and '72. Uh, when he left, he made sure that that uh, I got the full time assistant's job. Uh, and then a year and a half after that, I was the uh, the head coach, and I got three squares a day in the hideout for 40 years after that uh, <laughs> as a BU hockey coach. So he's done an awful lot for an awful lot of people, but nobody more than he did for me. You know? Yeah, it was, it was, And I had a great relationship with him. And, uh, uh, but he was a terrific coach and a terrific guy and, and an unbelievable disciplinarian. You know, you, you were going to, uh, you're going to work hard. You're going to, you're going to work hard in school and you're going to work hard, uh, on the ice. And of course there was no off ice training in those days. It was strictly, you showed up for practice, you had six weeks of practice and then you'd start playing games. So it was like the old NHL. You had time to, to get yourself in shape and nobody got, got a team in shape like Jack. I mean, I, my players used to complain to me about this is tough. Hey, you guys have no idea what I went through. <laughs> you have no idea what I went through as a player. So don't complain to me, please. <laughs> uh, and, and that was one of Jack's philosophies. You know, we had to be the best conditioned team before you could be best in anything else. Another thing, when I was there, I don't know what the overall record was at BU for Jack, but when I was a, a, a player there, we, we played, you could only play three years in those days. In those three years, 66, 67, 68, we played the, the Boston teams, Northeast and Harvard and BC, a total of 28 times. Wow. Uh, and uh, BC had players like Jack, Johnny Conniff and Phil Dyer and Tim Sheehy. They had great teams. And Harvard was just coming back. They had guys like Kenny Perot and Bobby Bauer and Ben Smith. And, uh, and Northeastern probably had their, their best three years they had on 15 years on either side of that. 
And in our 28 games against those three Boston teams, we were 27 and one. Hmm. Wow. And Jack always had the philosophy that you can't be the best team in the nation and you can't be the best team in the East if you're not even the best team in your hometown. <laughs> uh, so it was, it was, it was real important for him to do that. And that's why he had, I think he won, I think he won seven out of his 10 bean pots as well. So, I mean, Damn. maybe, maybe six, six out of 10, but he was an unbelievable coach that way too, making sure that we beat our arch rivals, our, our local arch rivals before we got to anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of, uh, you know, beating, you know, being number one in your hometown, uh, that bean pot, um, that's just a, a big tournament there in, uh, in Boston. And, uh, um, something that's always on Nesson and I'm always watching that everyone, you know, you don't even have to be a big hockey East fan. Um, you just have to be a hockey fan and everyone, um, you know, it's tuned into that. But, uh, that year in so 72, the, bean, the bean pot, the bean pot in, uh, in, uh, in the sixties, fifties, sixties and seventies, that was the biggest tournament you'd play in. It was bigger than going, you would play. Oh, okay. I can remember we, we played, we played the bean pot every year we played in the old garden. It was 13,909. That was the magic sellout number. And every time we played, it was 13,909. So you'd play the, you'd play the bean pot and you'd have 13,909. And then you'd have the ECAC tournament and you'd be playing Cornell or Clarkson or somebody. And it'd be 13,909 again. And then you go to the national tournament in Minnesota or St. Louis and there'd be 2000 people watching. <laughs> so it, it, it was it was the biggest tournament there was. There's no question about it. And then the ECAC became a huge tournament. You know, as far as crowd is concerned, I'm not saying it was bigger than the WCHA or, or, or any other week's tournament. But as far as the size of the crowd, that was the biggest crowd you're going to play in front of was the was we, when you got to the garden to play in the bean pot, or you got to the garden to play in the in the ECAC semifinals and finals in the old ECAC tournament. Yeah, that that bean pot is like I was saying is is one of the better tournaments for sure. Uh, everyone uh, tunes into that, and uh, that whole rivalry between uh, you and the Commonwealth rivalry up there with Jerry York. Uh, you guys yep. seem seem to be in there all that all the time. And uh, uh, what's that like? You That's know, a lot, it's a lot like Clarkson and St. Lawrence's. Uh, yeah, exactly. You, yeah, you know, not very far away. You know the players. You know, and you're recruiting the same players, and the sure. coaches are friendly, but not not on game nights. <laughs> Uh, Coach, you know, I, I'm just going to thank you one more time. You know, it's, it is an honor to, to get to talk to someone with your coaching experience. You know, Jack, we were talking about Jack Kelly is, you know, obviously the architect of BU, but for us and for our listeners, Jack Parker is the face of it. Um, you know, and for me, what I'm amazed at is, you know, it's almost unheard of today for an employee or an employer to keep someone for 40 years three national championships. You're the third all-time in NCAA history with 894 wins. You know, why did you stay in college hockey? I'm kind of assuming that, um, well, did you have any offers for NHL? Or I, I would think you had the, the choice of whatever you wanted to do there. Well, I was, first of all, I went to BU. I'm from Boston. I, I grew up, uh, I could walk to the garden. I could walk to BU from where I grew up. Uh, so, so I was a, you know, a Boston guy. I haven't been outside of 128 very often. You know, that's, the that's the road that goes around Boston. And, uh, and, and I, since I played there, that was the, that was the place I, you know, I would have liked to have finally arrived at. 
and all of a sudden they arrived at it when I was 27 or something. Uh, you know, you take Jerry York. Jerry York went to Bowling Green. Oh, excuse me, went to Clarkson, then he went to Bowling Green. But then when he got the opportunity to coach his alma mater, you know, he was he was ecstatic to come back to coach here. Uh, Ronnie Mason was Ronnie Mason was at Bowling Green, but then one of the a St. Lawrence guy, by the way. But then one of the you know had had a chance to go to the Big Ten type of school in Michigan State. That was the ideal job for him. Well, I had my ideal job from the from the get go, so I wasn't going to go to another college team. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and I had you know three times we were offered to go to the pros, and uh, I decided that you know I, that wasn't quite for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'll tell you the last time. The last time, and Harrison was great. Great about it. Harrison is a fabulous guy, and I got I got on him extremely well. And when I said I wasn't going to take the job, he said, "Yeah, I knew you wouldn't take the job." I said, "This is the toughest job." He said, "This is the toughest." I said, "This is the toughest decision I've ever made." He said, "Yeah, I know." He says, "But you know, it be you. I bet in, when you're in your office in the springtime, some former players come back to sit, shoot the breeze and say hello to you. That never happens here." He says. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of that, you you've got quite the list of players that uh, have either went to the Olympics, uh, on to play in the NHL. Um, I mean, is that, what is that like for you to, to, to be watching the guys that you played hoist the Stanley Cup this year? I mean, it's yeah. got to be surreal at times. Well, certainly the 1980 Olympics was unbelievable. Uh, you know, there were only four guys from the East on that team, and they happened to all be four <laughs> BU guys. Uh, and we didn't have a very good year that year because three of those guys could have been back. You know? uh, <laughs> but we uh, people would say, geez, you didn't, didn't have a very good year, Jack. Huh? I said, Not a good year. We won the Olympics, didn't we? <laughs> uh, but, you know, whenever you, whenever, you know, like I say, uh, Jay Pandolfo and uh, Chris Drury were the other two guys that, that won a Stanley Cup after winning the national championship. But I've had guys that, you know, Eddie Ronan won in Montreal. I, I, I couldn't remember them all that won a Stanley Cup that, that played for me, but uh, it, it's exciting to see them play. I remember the very first guy I had that went to the pros, and it was before 1980. Not too many college players went to the pros before 1980. And uh, Mike Fiddle left in 1976 at the end of his sophomore year. He was a terrific player for us, and he was a big, strong, tough guy. And... Uh, he went directly from BU at, at the end of the sophomore year. I think he was—he might have been—he might have been twenty. He could have been nineteen, but he, he certainly wasn't older than twenty. And he went right to the NHL and, and had a, had a successful year, at, a career. Except he kept having shoulder problems, and it wound up getting him out of the. I think he only played nine years. He would have played a long, long time if it wasn't for for his injuries. But he was a terrific player, and that that was the first guy we ever had signed a pro contract. It was kind of unheard of, especially in the East. Especially a guy, you know, like Red Berenson left Michigan after he graduated to go play in the pros before 1980, you know, but it never happened before that. And Fiddler was a, a terrific player. And I, I remember, so that was the first time I had a chance to go watch one of my former players play in the NHL. And I, it was, it was heartwarming to see him. I mean, he came into Boston his first time in the Boston. He played for the Cleveland Barons at the time. And, I think he got two and one the first the, the, the game he, he showed up. Of course, all his family was here. He lived in Charlestown, which is literally within a stone's throw of the garden. And uh, it was quite a thrill for me. And I've had that with many other guys. But I don't think anything was anything would touch the David Silk, Jack O'Callaghan, Jimmy Craig, Mike Rizzioni, 1980 Olympics. That was 
mostly, especially Mike, they're all living off of that still. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had Mike on, and he had a lot of good things to say about you, Coach. He said that you were tough. Uh, well, he said you were tough, too. You said Jack Kelly was tough. Well, you got to be, man. It's because we got to be. Well, you have to be with the guys I coach, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Coach, yeah. uh, you- I just wanted to uh, uh, touch on Hockey East. I know I know you guys were uh, um, uh, ECAC for a little while. We talked about that earlier. But uh, you guys eventually, um, I think, what, 37 years now you've been uh, Hockey East. And, you know, it's just consistently proven to be the strongest, you know, NCAA Division One men's hockey uh, league. I mean, 15 Hockey East players named to the 2021 U.S. National Junior Team. Um, already and you know you go down the list and they're BCBU players um, you know you got a Northeastern player on there and a Providence player but uh, you guys seem to uh, just you know all the cream of the crop want to just you know go to Hockey East and um, you know UMass Lowell's got that new arena I forget when they put that in there but uh, it's just every year you guys seem to consistently you know just have that. Yeah, and don't, forget, don't forget, don't forget the great, great years UNH and in, in Maynabad over a long period of time. So yeah, yeah, and, Billy and Sean yeah, Wallace. Yeah, exactly. And what is that, Coach? What is it? What What do you think that is? Why everyone wants to go there? Uh, well, I think you just you know you make labeled it. You know, we've had a lot, lot of success, and success breeds. Uh, it attracts people. You know, uh, people have heard about it. People. I remember one time I went out to recruit a kid in Vancouver on the Tuesday after the bean pot. And uh, I walked into his house and hey, great game last night. I said, oh, you hear about it? Huh? No, I watched it on TV. You know, so, you know, it, but I'll tell you <laughs> the thing that, that made it was when we were all in the same league, uh, there, there was a problem with us, with, with the teams like BUBC. We wanted to stay playing the same amount of games that WCHA, WCHA was playing, Minnesota and Michigan State and those teams at the time. Uh, Denver, they all were playing, and they all crept up. They were playing 24 games and 25, 28, 32, and we were still playing like 26 games. And the Ivy League was was limited to 24 games, so there was a big, uh, I would say, a disagreement about where, what direction we should go in. And the Ivy League decided if you go to 32 games, we're not playing. We'll, we'll form our own league. So then the Ivy League attracted teams like St. Lawrence and Clarkson and RPI. Uh, in Vermont to, to go to their league. And uh, we got stuck holding the bag. It was just five of us uh, without a league. And that's when we took uh, Lowell in as a, as a sixth team. But we still, you couldn't, you'd have to play each other so many times in order to, in order to have a, you know, a, a 22 game league schedule that it was going to be, it was going to be like the old NHL. You know, you, you get some animosity and show up pretty soon. You know? <laughs> so, so it, we were so fortunate that at the exact same time, the Michigan schools left the WCHA to go play in the Central League because they wanted all the Central League, you know, Ferris State and Michigan State. And there was a whole bunch of Michigan schools in the, in the, uh, in the Central League. And so they stole Michigan State. I think Ronnie Mason was the one that led the charge to leave the WCHA and go back to the WCHA. And now Denver's and Minnesota's and Minnesota Duluth, they were left with only six teams at the exact same time in the exact same year. So it was fortunate that 
Wu-Wen Morello was our commissioner at the time. And I went to Wu and said, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have a hard time getting games here. And, and, oh, and we were also very upset with the ECAC. So it wasn't like we were going to go out and schedule St. Lawrence and Clarkson again. You know, they, they jumped ship on us. So why don't we see if the WCHA wants to get involved with us? And that Wu went out and set up a, a, a situation that got us an unbelievable schedule. Instead of having RPI coming in and, and Vermont, we had Minnesota and Denver coming in, you know. Uh, you talk about brand name college hockey, and that's not putting down RPI in in Vermont, right. but those schools were the brand names, and we were we were going to Minnesota and playing back to back in Duluth, and then the Minnesota the University of Minnesota was coming to Boston and playing us back to back back. So it was, and the exact at the exact same time as that, Nesson started on TV. It was the first time we had the, the sports channel Nesson, and they needed they needed uh, content. So they got on board to televise our games. So we had teams like Denver and, and uh, Michigan State, uh, excuse me, and uh, Minnesota coming to our rinks. And we had literally all over New England the best college hockey being brought to you. We had, we had the TV package. And, and we, the other thing that happened was there was a young guy out of Syracuse, New York, who was starting his, his broadcast career. And Nesson hired him to be the voice of uh, uh, Hockey East. His name was Sean McDonough, and Sean was such a fabulous announcer. And it, Nesson and Sean gave us a pro look right off the bat. It, it was almost like a fabulous look because of because of that station and because of Sean. And we all wound up uh, making hay with it. I mean, we we just out recruited the ECAC. You know, we weren't going to out recruit Denver from kids from Western Canada, but we were going to out recruit the ECAC. We, we could out recruit Connell and Clarkson from, uh, from kids from Toronto because they wanted to get on TV and they wanted sure. to play that. Yeah. So there, there was a, it was unfortunate that we split up the old ECAC because I, I thought it was a great league and it was a lot of fun playing so many different teams, but it was so fortunate for us that we got, we got kind of booted out and then look, look, look what happened. The, uh, the WCHA got, got shot in at Duke. So all of a sudden we could merge the leagues and, and we had two different playoffs at the end of the year, so it wasn't like we had to play. So we just all the games counted. They were not exhibition games; they were league games. So if you lost to Denver, it was the same as you lose in the BC. But at the end of the year, the top teams in your league played in the playoffs. So it was really, it was so it was almost like the perfect sum. I live in Gloucester, and that was the famous book up here. Uh, but it, was, it was almost like the perfect sum that you know we had WCHA available, Hockey East available. And Sean and Nesson available. It was it was a perfect marriage, and it, and it exploded our recruiting, no question about it. All of a sudden, provinces and Maine's that they're, they're national powers. You know, they're playing all the good teams. I don't think there's any question that was the. It was almost by accident. Perfect storm. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yeah! Hey, coach. Uh, I know uh, college hockey is all about you know winning games and stuff like that, but at, at the end of the day, it's about shaping you know young you know, young guys into men. And uh, I, I'm just kind of curious if you had, you know, you know, there's a lot of big name players that come out of BU. This is kind of be a two-part question, actually, but there's a lot of young guys that came out of BU that are big name players. Is there anybody specifically, you know, that maybe, you know, the national national audience might not know about that, you know, you kind of kind of touched your life or something like that, that, you know, you helped transform, you know, from being a young guy, mature him into a, you know, like a grown man. Uh, and, and see some success in his in his life. 
Well, I'll answer that in a two-part way. You, you alerted, uh, alerted, uh, alluded to earlier that I was, I was the coach at BU for 40 straight years. And the reason why I was the coach at BU for 40 straight years is because they had great assistants who got great players to come to BU. Because you don't keep your job if you don't have great players. Yep. <laughs> and I, had, and I ho- had a whole bunch of them. And I would have a hard time picking an all-star team. You know, who, who was the better center iceman? You know, Sean McEachern or, or Ricky Mahar? Who was, or, or Chris Drury, you know? Or, who was the better right wing, Mike Greer or Tony Amante? You know, it, it would be it would be almost impossible to to pick yeah. that type of thing for me. But there's one guy that stands out that is without question is my hero, and and that's Travis Roy. Uh, and I, I I know probably a lot of the college hockey people, but maybe the national audience doesn't know who Travis was. But Travis was a highly recruited kid out of Maine. Who played at Tabor Academy was a really good player. Probably would have been an NHL. Uh, and he came to BU his freshman year. And the very first we played not the Dakota, we were defending national champions. Yep. And he got hurt his very first shift. Uh, playing on the left wing for Chris Drury, as a matter of fact. And yeah. Uh, and to this day, he's he's my favorite player. He played 11 seconds, and he's my favorite player because he's he's my hero. I mean, he, he, nobody has gone, nobody has faced as much adversity that I know of, has faced as much adversity in his lives, in his life as Travis has, and emerged with being a hero out of it, like he has. It's, it's an unbelievable story. It is. Yeah, it, it's you know, it's a it's a tough story, and we, we weren't sure even if we would bring it up, but I'm glad you did because. You know, it, it's it is an important story that you know not everybody does know about. So, yeah, all right. I'll give you I'll give you a different type. I, uh, who was who was the best player to play for? I don't know. It's hard to say. Who was the who was the uh, best? I don't know. It's hard to say. Who was your who was your most valuable player? Oh, I can give you that one real easy. <laughs> I, 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 I recruited the guy. I, I, I semi recruited the guy named Jacques Joubert, who was at Princeton and didn't and wanted to get out and, and, and left, left at the end of his first semester of his freshman year at Princeton, obviously a fabulous student, and, and went to the U.S. Junior League for a second half of that year and then came to BU. And he wound up, uh, if you looked at the score sheet almost every year when he was there, he was either one or two on the score sheet every year. He didn't have a scholarship. He was a what we would call a walk-on because he didn't have a scholarship. He was a recruited walk-on, and he was captain of the team in his senior year. He was voted the student athlete of the year at BU in his senior year, and we happened to win the national championship in his senior year. <laughs> so wow. He was he was quite a player, and not a lot of people know about him. But he was he was a great player who, who you know we we finally broke down and gave him a scholarship in his senior year. <laughs> 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 I always used to tell my assistants that once we gave our scholarships out, now the difficult part is to find the guys that really make our team, the walk-ons that can come and pay and play for us. And, um, <laughs> and because you can't have a team with 18 kids, you got to have a team with 25 or 28 kids, you know? So sure. uh, he was, he was one of those guys. We've had some pretty good ones. And uh, Matt Gilroy is one that jumps up mine. I told Matt Gilroy not to come. He came in to see me. He wanted to come to BU, and he was a forward. And I told him not to come because we already had, you know, 15 forwards. I don't like having more than 15 forwards at practice. Uh, you have a hard time getting on the lineup. Uh, you oh, won't have a scholarship. Yeah, he winds up 
I said, <laughs> he said, well, I want to go to BU. I want a BU education. Money's, uh, I'm, I'm not looking for a scholarship. I'll, I'll pay my own way. I said, well, I, this is the honest truth. I said, I'll tell you what. Come out for the team, and we'll let you play. I only have seven defensemen, so we'll let you be the eighth defenseman. And in your sophomore <laughs> year, if, 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 you, if you progress a little bit, we'll, we'll move you up to forward. And so the first two the first two games he doesn't play, and then we played the under-18 U.S. national team, under-18 team out of Ann Arbor. So in that, those game, that game every year, I would always play the guys that went dressing and make sure they get in. And Matt get in the game as a defenseman and never left. <laughs> <laughs> and, won, and won the Hobie Baker in the national championship. Yeah. So that was, and he was, he was a, a walk-on. Unreal. Unreal story. I know, I know we, uh, we got a podcast here, and we've had some uh, good guests on it. Uh, you know, you're up there with some of the good guests, but we know you had a player, Ryan Whitney, who has a big podcast. Have you been on his yep. podcast? And uh, uh, how was Ryan as a player and a, a person off the ice? First of all, I've never been on his, his podcast, but I... Oh, good. This We're the first one. This is the first one I've ever been on. Perfect. Hey, well, uh, thank you. Uh, Winners. Yeah, he, uh, he was a really good player. His, his junior year, he was the leading scorer on the team as a defenseman. Uh, he was a he was big, you know, st- tall, strapping guy who could skate, move around the rink, and he really had good hands. And he was he he too was really good on the power play. That's why he was you know such a good point getter. Uh, but he could he could he could score it. He could he, he could knock it in from the point too. But he could pass the puck and find people. He was a ter- he was a terrific college hockey player that all along I thought would be would be even a better pro. And I think he was he was a real good pro. Yeah, good guy. Yeah, he's a hot ticket too. I, not no wonder that he's uh, he's very popular in this, <laughs> in this in this forum. He's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you ever saw the. I don't know if you've ever seen the ad for. I think it's uh, uh, New Amsterdam. Adam, Adam's beer. My my cousin from Boston. No, Sam Adams. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it's a it's an ad to Sam Adams beer. Maybe it's only in New England. I don't know. No, no, it's around here. It's around here. It's the yeah. guy that shows up to the wedding parties and he yeah, always sits back ad, on the yeah. table and takes over the show, right? Yeah, that that Boston accent, a real fool, you know. And, uh, <laughs> Whitney has Whitney Whit has nothing but bad Boston accent guys on his team on his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I love it. Jack, what are you doing with the game right now? Are you are you involved at all? Doing anything right now or no? Uh, no, nothing. I, I watch I watch my grandsons play and I watch BU play and I uh, play golf. Uh, no, I've never been a golfer. Uh, no, I, uh, I play a lot of tennis. I, I play a lot of tennis and I, I do a lot of sailing in the summer. And I started, when I retired, I in night I was sixty nine when I retired. Uh, I was yeah sixty nine when I started skiing. I never skied before in my life, and I get obsessed about that. So I, I always look forward to. It. <laughs> I go ski. I go skiing during the week, and I go watch hockey games on the weekends. Oh, not bad. Not bad. I, I want to do that. <laughs> I, I do have to say that uh, a Canton boy, Canton, New York boy, wore number eighteen for BU for uh, set. Let's see, four, five, seven years in a row. So number eighteen uh, for Boston University was worn by a can player for uh um seven years so that's our claim to fame for bu so yeah, <laughs> who's that who, tell me who tell me who those guys are wayne megan <laughs> and jordan greenway yeah i know both of them were 
both of them were really good players. Wade, Wade played for me. Jordan played for, for Quinny. And yeah. both of them were really, really good college players. But they weren't the best BU hockey player out of Canton, New York. Now, who else is there? Best oh player. Oh, my God. You guys don't even know. <laughs> most, valuable, most valuable player of the 1971 National Tournament. 19. 71. We weren't born yet, Coach. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but you, you should know your history of Kent, New York. We, we should. I'm trying to think here. I'm, I'm pondering. His name, his name is Danny Brady. His, his, his name is Danny Brady. He was an, all, an All-American goalie for us. Really? He was absolutely, he was absolutely terrific. I didn't know remember that. I, remember, remember, I alluded to the fact that BU scored more power play goals than the opposition got total goals. We had a good power play, and he was a big reason why the opposition didn't get many goals. Really? Wow. 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 Yeah. Interesting. Andy, we need to look into Andy this. Brady. <laughs> Andy Brady. Hmm. Andy nice. Brady. Can't New York. Yeah, got a lot. Something we're... in the water up here. <laughs> or the beer. <laughs> oh, the snow. <laughs> oh, my God. You got to be crazy to live in Canton, New York. But coach, we really appreciate it. You know, uh, big thanks to Joey Marsh getting us uh, in touch with you and coming on to talk to the boys tonight. And it's it's been a lot of fun. We appreciate you taking some time out of retirement to uh, to share your story. Okay, and so Coach Jordan, I said hello the next time you see him. We will. Thanks, thanks a lot, Coach. It was an honor to thanks, speak. Coach. Legend, legend. Okay, that was fun. <laughs> Take care. All right. Thanks, Coach. Hey, this is Derek D. Train. So, what are you doing in here? Nothing. Did I hear you say manscape? Yeah. Son, take a seat. I was gonna wait till you were a little older to tell you about this. When I was about your age, I experimented with manscaping. Dad? That won't happen with the new Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0. It's made with skin-safe technology to help reduce against nicks and cuts. You can even shave your gooch. What's a gooch? Head over to manscaped.com and get yourself the Lawnmower 3.0. All right, boys, another legend on the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight. It's been nice talking to Jack Parker with the Blue Liners tonight. Um, you know, first podcast ever for coach. So I guess stick that, that feather in our hat, I guess. There we uh, go. There we cool. go. Definitely. Yeah, first what one up? for Jerome Aginla. First one for Jack Parker. I mean, who else we got first ones here? Line them really? up. Yeah. Wayne Gretzky coming on, I think, soon. But Dan mm-hmm. Brady, have you guys ever heard of that? We're going to have to look into that. Oh, Derek, ask around up there. Uh, That's I some work to do. Bob Christie yeah. and uh, Ralphie would know about that. But I had no idea. He definitely nope. uh, definitely stunned us there on that one. Yeah, I've never heard of him. No. You think any like D one player that you know was decent, you'd heard about? You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm blown <laughs> away though. Like I'm really blown away like by how much hockey talent, whether it be front office scouting, playing, you know, actual players, come out of this tiny county, man. Dude, it's it's crazy. You know, like. Everybody kind of looks at St. Lawrence County, can like you know, I kind of look down upon it. But I mean, are you kidding me right now? I mean, there's so much talent that comes out of this place; it's insane, and yeah. it's uh, it's a real a real eye opener from times. I mean, you look at Tampa Bay. I mean, who just won the Stanley Cup? I think there's you know three connections out of St. Lawrence County. Yes. So, yep. I mean, that's that's crazy. 
It's it's just uh, I mean, eventually we're going to get labeled as a hockey hotbed up there, right? I mean, the amount of people, Jimmy Howard, Zach Bogosian, Derek Lalone, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what we do. We play hockey up there. Um, I think Robbie and I were talking the other day that, uh, you know, we would take a yellow school bus, bus 181 or 81, a yellow school bus to Utica, New York. And when all these other teams were – coming up from uh, in New York City on these big tour buses. Wherever on the coach bus. And we would go home with the hardware. And, um, you know, it just speaks volume for the, the athletes and the uh, the passion we have for hockey up Kick there. Kick their fucking ass. Sorry. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. But a great podcast with uh, Jack Parker. That was great. Um, yeah, we got a Stanley Cup championship. Like Derek said, three people from St. Lawrence County. We were all rooting for uh, uh, Tampa to win, and they did, and that's great. Um, someone was on Twitter or social media, I think Rob and I were uh, texting, were saying that they're not letting the players or uh, coaches take the cup this year due to COVID, which kind of sucks. Um, I'll have to look into that more. I don't Wouldn't know if that's know? a fact or not, but uh, that would be awful. I mean, we were hoping the cup would come back to the county. Yeah, I think it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, what the fuck? It's a Stanley Cup, right? So, I mean, the, one of the experiences, one of the things that I got out watching the game the other the other night when they won, um, you know, one of the big parts of winning the Stanley Cup is taking the cup after the game, hoisting you over your head, and doing a little lap around the uh, arena, which must have been really weird because these guys would grab in the cup, you know, giving their, yeah, screaming, and nobody's there. You know what I mean? They're screaming in front of their their buddies on the team, which, you know, they're all, you know, super excited to win the Stanley Cup. But they lost out on that experience as well um, as far yeah, as – Yeah, I mean, Ovi got flashed. I mean, there was nobody showing tits in that – in Edmonton. Uh, yeah. I don't even think they had any cardboard cutouts for them. <laughs> no. <laughs> they got fucked completely, but – um, Zach Bogosian definitely showed his his uh, excitement when he grabbed the cup. He let out a roar. Yeah. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, a lot of good shots of him holding the cup up in the air. Um, you know, just different experience than w- what we're used to seeing uh, after the cup is is won. So, you know, that kind of sucked for them. But they had their own little party going in the restaurant or the restaurant to fucking the uh, uh, locker room after the game, the plastic up, the, the champagne splashing everywhere. So, I mean, they celebrated like crazy, and I'm sure they still are. But I think they lost out on some of that experience of hoisting that cup in front of a full arena. Yeah, yeah they had sure. a they had a boat show today in Tampa. I don't know if any of you guys checked that out. They were they took the cup out on the boats, and they were driving up and down the uh, uh, the waterway there in Tampa, and a huge boat show, and um, so that was pretty cool. I checked that out. That's on NHL.com. If you guys they got on the friggin' jet skis and stuff with it, that has to be an insurance liability right there. <laughs> Don't yeah, drop I... that fucking cup in the ocean, please. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I know, right? That fucker sinks, and the divers you out know, there. I want to just bring up Bogosian again. I mean, what a surreal year for him. You know, with the whole fucking debacle in Buffalo. And then, you know, he gets traded to, uh, to Tampa and wins the cup. Like, what bigger kick to the cock is it for Buffalo Sabres fans? 
I mean, it, yeah, it's just great for Zach because obviously we're all homers of Zach. His career looked like it was dwindling. He gets traded. You know, Buffalo sends him to the AHL. He gets traded and wins a cup. And, you know, that's that gives him another two, three years easily. Um, you know, he signed a one-year deal with Tampa. So, you know, I think October 9th is when uh, all the free agencies are up so people can start signing, signing again. We'll see what happens with him. But that definitely leverages him another at least two years. So great for him. He's pumped. And I'm sure there's stuff in his contract, you know, all players have, if you win the cup, you get a bonus, you know, easily three, $400,000 bonus. So that's it. Yeah. And one, one of the cool things for him was that he was a healthy scratch three games in a row. And then yeah. he gets back in the lineup the night they win the cup. So, I mean. I think it was two games, wasn't it? Was it just two? Just two, yeah. Just two, but. Six you games. Know. You think he only played, uh. He only played two games, but I'm not really sure. But either way, you know, to be in the game, to be on the ice, to play the game that won the cup, um, a lot better experience for him than being up in the press box and coming down, putting your equipment on to go out on the ice, you know, like Stan Coast and a couple of the other guys had to do. Um, You know, so I I was really happy for him to see he was in the lineup. I was actually watching the game, and they panned the bench, and I saw his backup sticks, number 24, on the bench. I'm like, nice, he's in the fucking lineup tonight. Yeah, you know, they don't release that Big shit. Big dogs got to eat, man. And that's the thing is, you know, not only did they put him back in the lineup, but he was out every other fucking shift. So I, I have to scratch my head, like huge hit in the beginning of the game. I was wow. gonna say he played hard. He yeah. played hard too. Like he made his presence felt right away. You know, and I would like to give yeah, a shout out to, to Pat Sullivan for using a very big word dwindling that, that that's that's pretty that's high in the vocabulary level for that guy. Dwindling D. W I G L. There's Google. Yep. And then, uh, uh, you know, we got Derek and Mark. Uh, Mark's more of a Toronto fan than a New York Rangers fan. I don't know. He goes back and forth. He's kind of a snowflake. But um, <laughs> Lung Quest, Lung Quest is done, boys. What do you think they about They bought him out. Yeah. Hey, yeah. yeah. 15 years. It's yeah. a new era. Where is he going to go? You know, like there's a lot of teams. That so could use him so, do you think he's going to be done or do you think he's going to hang no. him up or he'll, no, take- he'll, he'll, he'll be somewhere. He'll definitely be somewhere. Like I love the Rangers. I love Lundquist. I actually, you know, I really do. I love that guy, but, and he, he brought a lot to that organization and oh, unreal. forever grateful like to what he brought to that organization, but he, he just never, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it was ever his fault really. It was just, um, they never put like a really good enough team around him to make it happen in the playoffs. You know, he, the guy stood on his head, you know, season after season after season, but he didn't ever seem to just be able to, you know, kind of seal the deal at the end of the day, but um, it's time to move on, man. I mean, he's played yeah. every opportunity in the world, man. It's time to move on to some of these younger guys, Georgiev and uh, you know, the rest of those uh, backups there, well, quote unquote backups that have been in New York for a little while now. It's time. It's their time. So um, Lundquist had every opportunity he could get. He definitely let, he'll he'll end up somewhere. I mean, he's going to be yeah. with like, uh, you know, some maybe like a young squad. You know, that's kind of uh, you know up and coming. Might you know pick up a veteran goaltender like him to kind of, um, you know, kind of carry the ship over. You know, give him an opportunity. So we'll see what happens. I'm not sure where he's going to end up, but I think he'll end up on his feet somewhere. Yeah, I mean, even if he's uh, uh, sorry, Mark. Even if he's like uh, you know a backup goalie, I think he could play for another three years. But he was drafted in two thousand, 
2000, and he was drafted 160, 163rd overall. I looked it up. There's 20 goalies taken over him. And the only goalie that I knew, whatever, ever heard of him, was the number one pick in the 2000 NHL draft. The number one pick by the New York Islanders was Rick DiPietro. All the other goalies, I've never even fucking heard of. And he was 163rd pick. He holds all the records in New York. He is the king of New York goalie-wise. Every record that's for a goalie and as a New York Rangers wearing the the red, white, and blue uh, outfit or jersey is uh, Hendrik Lundqvist. So uh, what a player. He'll definitely end up somewhere unless he's just – it's not about money. He doesn't need to make – you know, let's say uh, uh, Florida Panthers or uh, Toronto or someone signs him for a two-year deal for $4 million. Like, the $4 million is irrelevant to him. He doesn't need that. He's, it's just – Well, not, not to, to mention, play. Pat, too, not to mention, I mean, his uh, success on the national level, like in the Olympics with Sweden, too. I mean, the yeah. guy's had he's yeah. got success everywhere he goes. So, yeah. Yeah. And the other option, it might be a really good team that – just needs like a backup goalie, like Pat said, maybe out in Colorado. Um, we talk about the Hurricanes making the playoffs year after year and not being able to make it happen. Uh, Peter Morazic, I don't think, is your you know outstanding goalie that's going to win you a cup. You know, do they need somebody like Lundqvist to be uh, backing him up? Uh, they do have some young goalies there too, but you know the thing is nowadays whether you're the starter or the backup, you're playing you know 30 games because you know it's yeah. just the way the NHL is. Now. Really, that's the way it is. So, you know, two goalie system, um, you know, is huge for these guys back in the day when it was, you know, the same goalie playing night in, night out, playing 70 games. Um, you know, you're not seeing that shit anymore. So now it gives these some of these older goalies some opportunities. I think we're going to see the similar thing with Jimmy Howard, what happens with him. Yeah. Um, you know, and the other talk that we had this week, uh, I'm sure we're going to bring up is the Jack Eichel talking with the the Rangers. So does this buyout of Lundqvist's contract? I mean, I'm not privy on the numbers, but does that free up numbers for a big signing like uh, Eichel? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the rumors on social media. I mean, is Buffalo dumb enough to let him go? Is he not happy there? Is he requesting to leave? There's a lot of uh, uh, variables in there that we just don't know. I I think it's – I would say that's just speculation almost – I can't even fathom that Buffalo would let Jack Eichel go. Um, However, however, there is a lot of uh, talk in the uh, hockey world that uh, Quinn, David Quinn, the head coach of the New York Rangers, he seems to like to get those BU boys and pull them back. You know, he, Jack Eichel should have won a NCAA national championship with Quinn at BU. I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, the goalie for BU caught a puck in overtime, caught the puck, and went to throw it behind the net to his defenseman to play it and threw it in the net. Now, so they lost. And and Jack Eichel was part of that team, uh, definitely should have won. So who knows? uh, You know, David Quinn maybe just – that happens a lot in the NHL, right, all these – coaches uh, want to get the players that they drafted or they're familiar with and you know happens all the time i'm sure eichel wants to get the fuck out of buffalo i mean he hasn't had yeah. any success i mean the, the team is a gong show i mean you talk <laughs> about what they did uh three months ago 
when they fired everybody and brought up all new staff in and I mean, 23 people. Yeah. Let's just tell the players, right. Especially the, you know, the team that's the guys that have been there a while, like, Jesus, what the fuck's going on? We're starting over again. I mean, every year it's like, okay, we got, you know, first round draft pick. What's this going to do? You know, still suck. Um, you know, good for 10, first 10 games of the season. Then we suck. So I can't blame them. Team like the Rangers coming on, um, really showing some rebuild and, you know, looking like they're going to be a pretty good team with these young guys, you know, be a good spot for them. Yeah. Greener over there too. Greener over there. Hi, Quinter. We'll see what happens. Come on, Quinter. Uh, what about the uh, Stahl brothers got a little trade? Um, you know, the Stahl brothers are three boys in the uh, NHL. Uh, Eric just left Minnesota. He's in Buffalo. Bismo Buffalo. Is that a new nickname? So we start calling him Bismo Buffalo. And then uh, the Rangers there. Which one is that? There's Eric. Mark. Mark. Jordan's here in Raleigh. Yeah, Jordan and Jared's the youngest. Um, but yeah, uh, Mark went from uh, the Rangers to uh, refresh my memory. Or did he just um, get traded to? Yeah, you had to say that. Um, anyway, so what I was getting to is the Stahl brothers are getting old. I mean, they're they're our age. They've been in the NHL forever. I think most of them went through Raleigh here. Um, and played Eric won a Stanley Cup here. Um, uh, I think all of them have all of them except no Red Wings. two out of the four Red Wings. Detroit, right? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Mark went to the Red Wings, so I think Mark's the only one that hasn't won a Stanley Cup. Um, the other two have. So, uh, well, Jared Jared's the youngest. Uh, he never really made it in the NHL. He's just been bouncing around the uh, minors a little bit, but. Uh, He's a right-handed shot. All the rest are lefties, so uh, right-handers are just fucked anyways. <laughs> Rob, are you a righty? I think I'm the only righty on this show. Exactly. There you go. Yeah, so Mark Bell's had his whole career in New York, so another big change um, for the Rangers to let somebody to go like Lundquist, now Mark Stahl. We're just seeing more of this rebuild happening there. Younger, younger guys are going for Rangers are going to be good. I told, I said that like ten podcasts ago that in two, three years, Rangers are going to be killing it. So yeah, they're they're pretty good. They're almost right there this year. You know, like a couple bounces of the puck, and um, yeah, they look pretty good. Yeah. So the, can I the just stuff. say uh, back to Jack Parker? You know what a good guy he was. He had a good personality, joking, cutting up. Great podcast. Us. Yeah. Uh, good show tonight with him. Um, super excited. It's just, you know, Derek, I think, says this every time. You know, for a guy with a 40-year career, he never, he didn't have to come on and say hi to us. He didn't have to come on. But for him to come on and, you know, just be a hockey good guys. guy, just another good dude. Um, Speaks volumes for the hockey community, yeah. Makes you wonder, doesn't it, like a little bit like, you know, what what do these people? I mean, this guy, forty years at a legendary university, he's a legendary coach, and like he comes on, you talk like you're talking to your uncle or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's weird to me in a way because it's like, do you, do you think they even understand like the gravity of you know what what you know what they've brought to the players that they've come in contact with? You know what I mean? Like, do you think they understand like the gravity of what you know their career was, or do you think it's just like 
they just go to work every day like you and I and like, you know, the the successes are the successes and it is what it is. It, it's pretty it's pretty amazing to talk to these people because from the outside looking in, you look at people like this and, you know, people at pro level athletes, people you look up to, like they're kind of like on some pedestal. And I think they themselves kind of just look like, you know, we're just normal people like doing just doing my job, you know, so it's it's very it's a very interesting dynamic and it's pretty cool to like talk to these guys and just see how humble they are so it's it's yeah. pretty yeah. awesome it's pretty awesome to do this i mean i mean for the next you know our lifetime uh you go by uh agnes arena uh where bu plays uh commonwealth ave in boston it's um, Massachusetts. what is it called mcginnis no agnes arena agnes um, there's a bronze statue of Jack Parker out there with his glasses and his clipboard. So yeah, no big um, deal. So, I mean, he's a big, big part of, uh, BU hockey and, uh, for him to, like Rob said, just to come on and give us his time and talk to us, but you're right, Derek. I mean, does it even sink into these guys that, uh, who they are and what they accomplished? Um, uh, they're just, I just think they're just normal hockey guys and this is just all they've done and i don't know that's it yeah. is it's humbling yeah so i mean i think for him jack parker he's you know he's done it all at the college level and i think if you look back at his career and when we talked to him and he, and he mentioned he had opportunities to go to the pro and he stayed loyal to bu um you know that kind of shows you the testament of humility he didn't need that um pro career to tack on to his resume um, you got two type of people I feel like that we talked to on the show. You got people like Jack that really don't like to talk about themselves and their accolades unless they're asked about it. And even then they'd rather talk about Jack Kelly. Um, and then you have the, the, the guys in the pros that, um, you know, once they retire, they like to come on and talk about their career because they've lost part of themselves sure. um, after the game is, is over. Right. So, you know, who are you? Well, I'm a professional hockey player. Well, who are you now? Well, I'm a retired professional hockey player, you know, so they're not getting the, all the attention. They're not getting the women gawking at them. They're not flying around in private jets, you know, all the bullshit that comes with it ends and you're a normal guy. And again, you might see people out that recognize you, but for the most part, you become a normal yeah. guy again. Yeah. Um, you know, so sometimes those guys, they come on, they want to really talk about their career and, you know, the shit they did um, just to kind of get back to where they were when they were playing and feel that, type of um you know being on that pedestal again sure makes sense. yeah for sure yeah definitely i, I agree with you 100 percent. but jack's not that guy no yeah. i think he i think he told you that before we came on the show yeah yeah he was all about talking about jack kelly and you know what he did for the league and uh more about talking about the players that came through his organization uh he was very brief on his career but uh um it's pretty funny that he said that he thinks Joe Marsh had a few facelifts, but uh, I think, <laughs> I think we should, you know, just talking about Jack Parker and has a bronze statue out in front of the arena in downtown Boston, which is huge. Like how is, who did we have on here that said that Joe Marsh is getting one? Ray like, like Shiro, is that happening yeah. or should we dig deeper and make that happen? The blue line hockey club or why isn't Joe Marsh outside? Absolutely need to man. I mean, look, since he's left, they've already had two coaches. Um, you know, look at the amount of time that he was the coach there. Uh, it's a different era. Coaches don't stay around like they used to. Um, an opportunity comes up with a little bit more cheddar. 
uh, and the jump ship. I mean, look at Greg Carvel. They say that he got paid like two and a half times more to go to Amherst. I mean, young family, what do you do? Do you give up to a quarter million a year to make a hundred at St. Lawrence? Yeah. What the fuck? You know, and he sure went to the national championship game and produced Kale McCarr. So uh, yeah. a little different. Yeah, yeah, but relative. Oh, to your point though, to your point though, Pat, you know, from, we're all Canton people, right? And there's no bigger name in St. Lawrence hockey to us than Joe Marsh. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I think 1000%, like, I mean, there needs to be something done to get, like you say, like, I don't, don't care if it's a fucking statue or what the hell it is, but something's got to be put out in front of that fucking arena to, you know, cherish the legend of that, of, of that, of that guy and coach. Yeah. And, you know, he, he, uh, you know, Think about the impact he's had on the players, you know, ex-coaches, community. community. Um, I mean, I don't know. You run into him. He goes downtown and has, you know, back in the day had it they called the stadium now. But, it, you know, go downtown, and have drinks at Dave's and interact with just everybody else in the community. I mean, he's one How of a kind that? and, and, and he, yeah. he, deserve, he deserves to have much more recognition at that university you know, and in front of that arena than, than he's currently getting. So yeah, let's, hope, I was, let's, let's hope something happens. I was at Stewart's one day when I lived back in Canton. I was Joe Marsh's neighbor. And uh, I was at Stewart's one morning, cold fucking morning. I was getting a cup of coffee, and I think Joe was too. Um, some old truck, hillbillies from Pirates or something, truck died. And there's Joe, you know, jumping their truck, um, helping them out. Um, just a great guy doing anything for anyone. Um, yeah. And you, well, you just, took off down the road and said, fuck this. No, <laughs> I walked over and asked if they needed any help. And he said, he's got it. They had a dead battery. And I stood around for a minute or two and the field fired up and uh, I took off. You great know, man. Jack, great man. Jack, Jack Parker uh, mentioned Jerry York. Jerry York started at Clarkson. So, yeah. you know, there's just another big time college coach that got his start in St. Lawrence County and in, in, in the ECAC Clarkson University. And, and then that big podcast that came out of St. Lawrence County, what was the name of that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and then there were us. We're going to try to get Derek Lalone on the podcast series, the assistant coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning, hopefully here soon. I'll shoot him a text and see what we have. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess he's gonna party it up a couple days and yeah, we'll let the sober up for a couple days. So he's probably did got. You guys, did you guys catch the post game uh, interview with the coaches? Yeah, that was hilarious. They were definitely sauced. Oh, they were definitely uh, drinking. All drinking, it, drinking out of Gatorade cups and thirty-five pounds, five pounds heavier. Yeah. <laughs> I nice. think that was a, a slight jab to uh, to. Uh, who voted? We're not going home. <laughs> so we're imagine, going if, home imagine if us four retired. Had, imagine if us four morons had won this friggin' cup. I mean, Rob, you would have had lost eyes within 15 minutes. Yeah. stands <laughs> out of the cup. Oh, when they God. were shooting the champagne, he'd have his mouth open, taking it. Oh, I'd still be partying. I'm sure there's <laughs> there's guys still partying right now. Yeah. Yeah. Pat Maroon, guys, back-to-back uh, -back Stanley Cups. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how lucky can you be to be traded to the to I another know. team that wins a cup? I mean, some of this shit comes down to luck, right? You've got yeah. you know, Joe Thornton's and some of these other guys that just yeah. poor fuckers can't so win luck. a cup. And then you got, you <laughs> Long know. Glass. Yeah, some of these other guys that just, just – I mean, he, proved himself. he played well, but 
One fucking guy doesn't win a cup, man. You get traded and you, and you win a cup, you get a little bit of luck on your hand. Don't you think it's kind of weird, Maroon too? I was going to say this. I was going to say this to Jack Parker, too, and then we can get out of here. But is it kind of, don't you think it's weird that like a guy named Jack Kelly coaches Jack Parker and then Jack Parker becomes the coach of the BU? I mean, it's like, it's just weird. Like two guys named Jack that have a connection to BU that are both Boston guys. Like, I mean, it's just, it's just weird. Like, I mean, there's got to be something in the, Something in the air. Maybe we can ask Pam Morley. You know, do a little, uh, do a little medium mix. Medium medium. Here, but anyways. <laughs> well, boys, it's uh, it's been a good season. I don't know. We're not going to have as much hockey to talk about anymore. I mean, we didn't talk about Dallas too much. I mean, obviously they had a a great run. They were the sleeper of these playoffs. No one really in this podcast anyway thought they were going to be in the finals. Um, they still held their home in the in the finals. Um, made it to this, uh, made it a six game series. Um, you know, I thought they played pretty well, you know, um, just a couple of bounces away from making a game seven and, uh, you know, they, they fall hard. A lot of, a, a lot of the Dallas fans are, are really shitting on Jamie Ben and, uh, Tyler Seguin, um, without realizing it's pretty fucking big just to make it to the Stanley cup. Hmm. I mean, cut them a little bit of slack. Yeah, with a backup goalie. Well, they had and no expectation, no expectations of getting there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we talked about that, Rob. I think at your house the other day that Bishop. I mean, what, right. what happened to Bishop? And you got Jake Ottinger, you know, BU guy. We didn't ask Jack Parker about that. Uh, another BU goalie who, you know, then Bishop gets hurt or you know unfit to play, whatever the hell that means. And you know, everyone's expectations of Dallas went right down the drain, uh, and. You know, Jake Ottinger, uh, a rookie goaltender, gets gets to play, and uh, they make it to the Stanley Cup. I mean, came out of nowhere. His first two NHL games were in the the Stanley Cup Finals. No goals against. I mean, he didn't play a lot, but it's a big fucking confidence booster for next year, isn't it? We'll get Jake on the podcast, too, hopefully uh, here soon. We'll see if we can line him up another beat. Get his take on playing in the fucking finals for his first yeah. game. I mean, it's not like, you know, okay, I go to the NHL, they put me in an exhibition game, yeah, right. get warmed up, and then, you know, 10 games in, they put me in again. I mean, fuck. Get in there. Get in there. Yeah. Well, so we have, we have uh, Stop another, the puck. another yeah. big guest coming on here in October, the end of October, actually. I think the 28th, uh, Manona Rayom. Manon Rayom. Manon Rayom. Mano. Mano. Yeah. Derek, October 28th. Sweeno, Rio. Rio. So Derek used to have the poster and freaking half to that all the time. <laughs> Fuck, he's got it in storage. So what? So what? But yeah, we got a few guests Don't coming up. So I know all there's right. not, not a hockey coming on, but we got some guests still coming up here. We got the free yeah. agency. We got signings coming up. We got the NHL draft and um, a few yeah. things. So it will probably take a vacation for a little bit, but we got a few more podcasts. Hey, Pete, give us a little bit about the new sponsor and yeah, uh, touch on Manscaped quick. Two sponsors. Dormy. Yeah. Um, our newest uh, collaboration is with Dormy Workshops. They are a leather, custom leather uh, head covers for uh, your drivers. Um, from what we can tell, uh, you know, we don't have them in our hands yet, but. Uh, you know, they're, they're fucking awesome. Um, we got our mock-up designs, some blue line hockey clubs. 
um, you know, they're sick. Yeah, I'm super excited to get them in my hands. I'm super excited to uh, be able to give a giveaway. We got one that we're gonna use for social media to give away. Um, yeah, what more can I say? Go, Real go leather, me. custom made head covers for yeah. your drivers, woods, whatever. Yeah, they're pretty sick. Also, yeah, now we got covers to cover our wood, and we've got uh, Manscaped to clean our balls. There you go, your balls. Well, thank you. We're, uh, we, we're lucky to uh, have a code for anybody that wants to buy Dormy the head covers. Uh, use PLHC for free shipping in Canada and US. Um, for the US people, that's big money, so it's worth it. Use that code and you're going to get a free shipment. Uh, in the States. For Manscaped, manscaped.com, use BLHC20 and you get 20% off plus free shipping to either US or Canada. And for Manscaped, it's the opposite. You're going to get free shipping to Canada. Um, so that's huge for our Canadian listeners. Um, go check them out. It's good products. Yes, All right, boys. Another great one. Jack Parker tonight, boys, for uh, episode 112. And check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and watch us on YouTube for all of our good-looking faces on our podcast. And uh, don't forget to go to, go to bluelinehockeyclub.com for all of our past podcasts. we got all kinds of good ones on there, 111 of them. So check us out. Until next time, boys, keep your stick on the ice. Tell you. We know. Oh, doctor. Meow. Meow. Keep your head up. Meow. Meow.